Hello and welcome to the third installment in the uh, Thought Architecture audio notes. So just once again, hello, my name is Justin, and uh, a lot of these audio notes are really aimed and geared towards um, what is going to be the maximal effective uh, points that I can help people with. And one of the biggest things that that I really find uh, people have issues with. Of course, there are certain skills out there that um, you know you could really transmit to people. That's great. You know, like how to learn has been one of my big things as well. But what I actually find is that people have a larger misunderstanding, and so <clears throat> whatever task they focus on, we call that you know the task at hand. For example, like learning a language or learning, let's say, and then. There is the greater task, the skill set that allows you to learn faster, which is meta learning. And so it's always the metas, the the task surrounding the actual task that you want to do, which is the issue. And when we go above that and above that and above that, we start to come out with a hierarchy of structures, of mental models, of a lattice work of ideas to quote Charlie Munger. And really it comes down to how do people organize their thoughts? How do people actually construct, you know, a thought or uh, a brain rather would be a better way to say it, a system of thoughts. So the biggest, the biggest issue what I see in the world today, or the biggest issue I see in the world today is really that people aren't complex in their thoughts. They, they go for the, the easy things. They're kind of like those new buildings that go up in China. They'll go up in you know, a couple of days, but they're really flimsy as all hell and, you know, they don't last very long or anything like that. So they're not, it's not a solid foundation. It's not a solid structure. And um, you might, you might be asking and wondering, well, what's the point? Well, who cares if they're solid or not solid? It's more to the point of if a thought architecture is solid, it means that it can weather any storm and it means that you are better for it. And you're going to be a lot less stressed. You're going to be a lot more capable and confident. You know, like my friend and I were talking about, you're going to be able to uh, discern signal from noise. You're going to be able to make sense of that signal and you're going to increase your agency, your ability to actually control and interact with the world around you. So based on that principle, it's more this idea of what are, you know, raising awareness around thought architecture. How do you construct thoughts? How do you actually plan it out? Now, there's a lot of, existing models out there, you know, there's a lot of <clears throat> things that are packaged together and really it's more about finding, um, you know, the one piece of that entire package that works really well for you that seems to ring true and being able to like temper it, beat it a little bit and see um, how much stress can this material take, this particular model, when does it buckle, when doesn't it buckle, is it flexible or is it rigid, etc. And so with that, uh, I'm going to do a, uh, a series on the, the background of the principles, which is today's session. And I'm going to go into each one of the principles as well as other mechanics to help you out. So let's start with this, this investigation. It's more along the lines of how to think and how to value thought. This issue came up um, for over a long period of time. I was looking for answers, looking for truth and examining all kinds of uh, philosophical ideas as well as like religious notions. You know, at one point in time, I would have identified as a Buddhist. Another point in time, perhaps a Taoist. Another point in time, perhaps an atheist, because I was looking at what kind of ideas were, putting, were people putting out there. 
And at one point in time, uh, I think it was in a video somewhere I was looking at, they were talking about the differences between idealists and Stoics. And they said like, idealists will look at what they believe to be possible versus Stoics would look at what is and then draw from that. So people may be evil, manipulative creatures, but they have the potential to be great versus no, people are manipulative and evil. So let's just keep it there. Let's expect them to be manipulative and evil and see if we can somehow work with that and make make whatever is today fine. And so it's taking that approach to it as well and not not saying like, oh, I think that we have the potential to be beautiful. Well, yes, but then you're also going to be disappointed, number one. Number two is you're also going to be raising your expectations to a level where you want people to behave in ways that they're not currently behaving for whatever reason. Maybe they're not incentivized, motivated to do this based out of whatever reasons, whatever motivations. Um, and if you want to look at motivations, we can talk about um, the Dante's Inferno uh, audio that I did in two audios ago. Go check out the, uh, the list. But ultimately what it comes down to, it comes down to this idea of how do people behave now? And more to this, it came, came to this point of how can I predict people's behavior? What, what is going to be um, the highest probability that people are going to behave like? And so what I did is I went down to, okay, fine. What are we as humans programmed to do? What's in our genetic structure that is going to be the most likely outcome, the most likely scenario? And from that, I created the three principles because of what I observed. And these three principles are, are not meant to be like in order of um, importance or hierarchy or anything like that, but more they're meant to just be, um, take these three things in mind, okay? So with that in mind, what I did is I set out to observe when people found success and failure. And did they follow these rules or didn't follow these rules? And that's it. Nice and easy. So without mucking around too much, let's get into the three rules. So rule number one is very simple. No man is an island entirely unto itself. Okay. So what does that mean? Basically saying that socializing, being part of a social structure, being part of a group, being part of a community is actually genetically coded into us. So there's a couple of reasons I say this, and we can get into it in the, the next episodes. But basically, this first point is just how about, especially in the West, people romanticize about being self-made, self-made millionaire. I did it all myself. No one helped me. You know, and that's a script that they say. The thing is, is that, you know, there is like the PayPal mafia, which is a group of friends who are at that level who push each other. That's a group of friends. When you talk to people about what they value, they value connection, they value community. When you look at, when you starve people of this, what happens to them? And I'll get into that in another, uh, in the next audio. But what are we talking about? We're talking about here that humans can actually function better when they're following this rule of you are a social animal. That's it. Hands down. We are social animals. Done and dusted. And so to think that you can thrive on your own, no. Definitely not. You can survive very well on your own. You can be content on your own. But can you absolutely prosper on your own? Doubt it. Doubt it. I mean, I challenge you to find me an example of this. Um, and I'll, I'll happily acknowledge it. But I'll probably see it as an exception to the rule rather than an example of the rule. And so that's, that's a great way to start is 
is to start with this idea of like, look, we're social animals. <clears throat> so getting into that in another one. The second rule is that emotions trump logic. Okay, for for a long period of time, we had that whole kind of Descartian theory of like cogito ergo sum, you know, I think, therefore I am, which, you know, if we study the history of philosophy and all that kind of stuff, like it might be that that wasn't what he intended or anything like that. But what we observe in people today is that emotions get the better of them all the time. People actually make decisions out of emotions more than decisions out of rationality. You can be duped, you know, because people will appeal to certain emotions in you as well. Um, you know, that whole idea of reverse psychology, I'll flip it on you and then you'll be motivated to do it. That again, it comes into this idea that your emotions are a much stronger driver. Your emotions are usually fueled by certain things and usually social emotions can be the most potent as well as in your emotions regarding feelings of others or the perception of others of you can usually be the most potent. So I know I said that these aren't necessarily in a hierarchy, but <clears throat> you know they do tend to present that, well, social comes first and then emotional comes second. Okay, so that's rule number one and rule number two. No man is an island and then you know emotion trumps logic. Rule number three is very interesting just comes down to a very simple idea. Context is king. That's it. Context is king. You cannot make a rule about something. You have to determine what is the context. And the more you remove yourself from a context and put yourself into like a scientific laboratory setting, you'll notice things will maybe change or they won't behave as predictably as if you, you know, notice them in context. So when we talk about context, um, we're talking about, well, humans in stressful situations will do this and humans in stress. And then we can go even more, you know, specifically into those stressful situations. Like, for example, men in these stressful situations, men at these ages in these stressful situations, men in these ages from this country with this particular um, background will will behave in these ways. And so we can drill down and fracture down the specifics. And the more that we do, the more we can observe about this, the better. But what's very important about this is that we take a microscopic, mesoscopic and macroscopic lens to these things where we examine, um, you know, the whole, the parts and the kind of systems within the whole as well. Um, you know, the three different levels to it and a telescopic view to it as well, which is the idea of looking at the timeline. So the more that we can do this, the better to establish context. And again, I'll go through context in a different audio. But usually what I find is that when people are having a lot of issues, it's because they're not necessarily looking at these three things. So, I mean, we can talk about this a lot more in depth in each of the specific audios. This is just meant to be a bit of a background. And it comes down to, again, um, you know, schooling, for example. Um, we find that when um, students participate more with the material, when they're much more interactive, when they when they have to teach each other or interact with each other, there are higher rates of learning. Well, why does that happen? Oh, it's magic, or no? It's because the brain is largely wired to be social, and in social situations, you're going to have motivation, and so we can also see in workplaces the infectiousness of the lazy person, the the person who is always, 
um, you know, depressed or saying, well, why should we do this? You know, the influence of them on the group, it spreads like almost like a viral thought, a viral emotion, you know. And so we can take a look at these things and within each context, we can actually define, oh, that's important. Oh, I see. And usually when you rob something of a context as well, you lose something. So one of the best ways, <clears throat> one of the best things that I heard about this was rubbing context from something was Burning Man. I went to Burning Man in 2017. And for those of you who don't know, if you've been to Burning Man, it's kind of high, hard to describe what it is. And <laughs> it's, it's, it can be very simply put. But when you put it simply, you also lose a lot of the context. So summarizing something allows you to take it out of context. And then as you go deeper into each context, you create more layers to it, more depth to it. So what is it? Well, it's a big party in the desert for a week. That's it. Okay. Really? That's it? Yes. But let's go more specifically. What kind of party is it? Well, actually, it's a type of structure where, uh, you know, trading things, selling things, you know, any kind of commerce is not allowed. Number one, it's a gift uh, culture. All right. You're supposed to bring all your own food and all your own gear and everything that you need because one of their principles is radical responsibility. And that's quite interesting. So there aren't really shops, but gift giving is a big deal there. So, you know, you appreciate someone, you give them a gift and reciprocity is not a thing. Oh, that's quite interesting. I wonder how that'll play out. <clears throat> and then there's a ton of live music. Huh, that's quite interesting as well. And then there's also a ton of artwork that's there. But they really promote the artist to make the artwork interactive, something that people can climb all over, play with, you know, interact with. And that is quite interesting of itself as well. And that establishes quite a different context to things too. Can you imagine a city where all the artwork is meant to be interacted with, not just observed? And now we're engaging far more of the brain as well. And by going into the depth and the context, we start to create a, a better model of, okay, cool. So context can actually help us refine this and say, so it's kind of like this, but it's mixed with this, but it's mixed with this, but it's, it's got these qualities and those qualities. And we start to see that contextually speaking, there isn't another festival like Burning Man, without a doubt. But in saying that, you know, maybe there are parts of Burning Man that just don't appeal to you. So, for example, I'm teetotal. I haven't had alcohol or any kind of substance in 20 years now. Yeah, in a month, it'll be 20 years. And so the point is, is that Burning Man for me wasn't quite hitting the nail on the head. There was a lot of positives about Burning Man. But I think that other festivals where there's a lot less um, substance usage would be much more up my alley. And I enjoy... Um, for example, the Lumiere Festival in London, which is literally an outdoor festival of art, okay, where the art is based around light, and that's it. And so it takes place over a week, and you got a map of London, and you get told where each of these different artworks are, and you go to each artwork, and it's somewhere on the London landscape, the cityscape, and it is beautiful. It is just beautiful. And I will say like, yeah, you don't sleep in a tent or you don't bring your own food or whatever. It's a very different type of event to Burning Man. But that is something that for me, just contextually speaking, it just struck a chord. Seeing people put their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings across with a piece of art. Uh, and I've never been an art person, but that festival, it just 
does something for me contextually it's very hard for me to explain because emotions trump logic and you know it's hard for you to describe something like that so that being said let's uh, just circle back and just say again all of this is based on observation how do people behave how do people interact looking for what are the examples of the rules rather than the um, exceptions to the rule yes there are going to be exceptions and when we contextualize them we can understand why so number one the one of the major rules is no man is an island okay no person exists independently of other people completely on their own you are tied into a system of people a community you are a social animal number two emotions trump logic even the smartest person in the world is going to be swayed by love attachment um, community and then finally the last piece of the puzzle is context is king so i can make a rule and say no one's allowed to murder anyone okay but what if there's self-defense what if there's one person who's committed atrocities trying to kill a whole bunch of innocent people like of course uh the action to be taken to protect those people could be understood that well contextually speaking that's okay because you are trying to save the lives of a hundred innocent people so there there is a barter to be had here reactionary is different from premeditated as well so it all depends on context too so once again context is king nuance ah nuance so i'll just jump back super fast to what i've said in the previous audio notes so the first one on dante's inferno the more that you can actually um, develop yourself the more context you create for people we tend to despise the things that we see in other people that that we reject about ourselves right we can't accept about ourselves that we we haven't looked at in ourselves so actually by looking at the things that usually make us uncomfortable or angry upset ashamed etc we can then create um you know we, we can grow through that and establish a context for this which allows us to deal with the world in a much better way and coming back to the second audio that i made the um, homo stolidos we're talking about the idea that we're upping our brain the more that we establish a context the less reactionary we're going to be the more nuanced we're going to be the more homo sapien we're going to be and uh yeah that's the that's the goal that's the goal the reason why well number one as a species you know can we really brag about a lot of stuff yes we can some advancements but we still haven't quite figured out how our how we ourselves work anyway um, that well because if we had we'd have cities where people do work so i'll touch on this in the next one but the idea put forth here is that we're just coming into stages uh, of i don't know human evolution of um you know technological evolution that we're able to really look at these things and have some time to kind of notice patterns as well all right cool well um if you have any questions about this kind of stuff please comment on the show notes below um send me a message you're more than welcome to reach out to me i'm mostly active on uh, instagram at uh, justin nope that's j-u-s-t-i-n-n-o-p-p-e and um yes you know if you want to go ahead and leave a review for this you're more than welcome to as well there is so much that is possible here so let me know if this strikes a chord for you all right I love you all. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and enjoy the progress.